Amen. All right, friends. Well, they're going to receive the offering. Our, uh, while they receive the offering, why don't you guys go ahead and pull out your Bibles? All right, you're going to, you're going to want a Bible this morning, so pull that out. We're going to be in John chapter 1 uh, as we continue in this Advent series. If you didn't bring a Bible and you left your Bible in the car, you left it at home, uh, there's a blue Bible underneath the seat you are sitting in. You can reach down there and you can pull out one of those blue Bibles. In John 1, in the blue Bible, is on page 981, 981. Um, if you don't own a Bible, you didn't forget yours in the car or at home, uh, steal that blue one, all right? Just, just take that. Don't tell anybody. Just kind of put it in your purse or under your shirt and just hijack that. Um, we want you to have that. We believe everybody should have a Bible. Um, John 1. Um, so we, last week, we began John 1, and John uses this, this imagery, this, this picture of a word, right? Uh, in the beginning was the word, he says, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Um, and he uses this picture of the word, and we, we unpack that in those opening verses. And then in verse 4, um, he says that this word was, was the light, and the light was the life of men. And he transitions into this picture of light. And that's what we're going to see more this morning as he's talking about the person of Jesus, who who was the Word, who is the Word, always existed. Before he was ever spoken, right, he was, just like a word, just just like the words that are coming out of my mouth. They exist before I ever say them. They exist in me. He's always been and always will be, and this is the light that is the life of men. And we're going to see this picture of light flushed out this morning um, in John's gospel. Here at Flourishing Grace, we believe that this, uh, that this word is the word of God, that he's given it to us as an unbelievably gracious gift. And so in honor and reverence of it, if you're able, would you stand with me as I read it for us this morning? John 1, we're going to pick it up in verse 9, 9 through 13. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can have a seat. So last week, I, I talked about this idea that John, in, in these opening verses, in chapter 1, John is using the, this imagery, the, the word and the light, to paint a picture that is unbelievably massive. Um, he is taking some unbelievably deep theology and, and shoving it into, packing it into just a few short verses. He's going to continue to do the same this morning. Um, and so the first thing we see is this, this picture of a light in verse 9. So the true light, the true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So there's three things that we see about this. We know that this is the person of Christ because he's, he's already unpacked that um, in, in the previous verses. And he's going to continue to unpack it in the, in the next verse. In verse 10, it starts with, with he. It describes the light as a he. Um, this is a person. It's the person of Jesus. And so we see three things. We see first that this is the true light. Christ is the true light. So all other lights, okay, are either false or just at the very least less than. 
They're, they're not as bright. They're not as, they're not as genuine. They're not as authentic. They're not as indestructible as the light that is Christ, the true light. There's a, there's a myriad of things in life that we would look to as, as light. We receive light from them. And when we talk about light, right, we're speaking of the, the, the life, joy, and delight, and gladness, and hope, and security, and comfort. There's a myriad of things in life that we can find um, those things in, right? But they're always less than, or, or at, at worst, fake, not, not real, right? An easy one is wealth. Often we can believe that, that wealth, um, if, if we could just attain this level, if I could just make this much money, if my bank account was here, if my retirement plan was here, then I would actually have that, that light, that security, and that comfort, and that goodness. But wealth is an elusive light. It's never found there. Those of you who have found that place know that it's not there, right? You, f- you work and you work and you work to attain that, to grasp that light, and you finally get there. You, you, you get to the place in your career where you make that amount of money every year or you've saved that amount of money and you're ready for that place in your time, and you get there and you realize, not as bright as I thought. That place is brighter. If I could just get, could get here, then I would have uh, that, that light that I'm looking for. Then I would have that security and that hope and that, that delight that I'm looking for. And so we work and 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 we toil till we get there. We say, this is great. I finally found the light. But it's not as bright as that light. If I could just get here, if I could just make this much money and I could have this much in my savings or my retirement, I could just do these things and I had this type of house or this type of car, then I would have the light. So we work and we work and we work and we work and we get there. It's an elusive light. It's never actually there. And we spend our whole lives chasing this false and elusive light. For some of us, it's, it's health. Right? We believe that, man, if I could just get to the place where I'm, I, I eat right and I exercise, I do all the right things, and I could get to the place where I live to be late 80s, 90s, I live to be 100, and, and I can still travel and do crazy things in, well, into, well, to, well into my later years, that would be the light of life. And this would be a good light. We just got back a few weeks ago. We went to my uh, wife's grandma's funeral. She was 91. And, to, and up until the month that she passed, she was traveling the world and doing all kinds of crazy things, seeing all of her grandkids and great-grandkids. It's a beautiful thing. But this light, while it is beautiful, it's an unsure light. cannot be guaranteed. We all know people who, who never achieved that light. Even though they were in the perfect health, right? As if there was such a thing, the side of heaven, right? They, they did all the right things. They ate the right food and they died. They exercised. They, they were in great shape and they collapsed at young age. Or they never woke up far too young. This light cannot be guaranteed. In fact, none of these lights can be guaranteed. It's unsure. You can never be sure of tomorrow. Some of us might say, well, the light of human love. 
right? The human love, like if I could just find the perfect person, that Miss, Mr. Wright or, or that Mrs. Wright, just, just like in the movies, if I could just find love, if I could just be united to that person, that's actually the light that I'm looking for. That's the light of life. If I could find that, if I could get my, my family to look like this perfect family that just loves each other like they do in the movies, then I would have the light of life. But this love, this light is fragile. People let us down all the time. It's one of the most painful lights. When those that we love hurt us and leave us, reject us or rebel against us. Those of us who have that family, we know, we know that it's, it's never as perfect as it looks on TV. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. And many of us have experienced the pain that comes with those, with loving someone who does not love us in return. It's a fragile light. Last, we could, we could go on forever, but lastly, maybe for you, it's the light of religion. You've said, man, if I could just get to this place where the people in my faith community look at me with respect and reverence, that would be light. That, that, that's where the true joy is found. If I could just do all of the right thing and I can earn that title or that status in my faith community, if I could just be seen as worthy, that would be the light of life. This light's in a laborious light. It's a laborious light. You work and you work and you work and you do all the right things and you finally get to that place where everybody sees you that way. They see you as this one who has, who has done all of the right things and gone through all of the right motions and you are worthy. But you know that you're not as good as people think you are. Inside, you are not perfect. There's still something in you deep down that haunts you. that says, what if I'm not good enough? And so you work harder, and you work harder, and you work harder. It's a laborious light. It never ends. It never satisfies. These are all lesser lights. But what John is saying is that the true light, this one singular true light, that Christ, this light gives light to everyone. This light, that delight that John is talking about here, is a rare thing. It's not, it's not something that you can just find every day. There's only one of it. There's only one indestructible, perfect light, life-giving light. One indestructible light. One hope that can actually be guaranteed. One sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. One thing that can actually bring peace. One thing that can actually bring joy. Eternal, steadfast joy. And that is Christ himself. It's a rare thing. And this light gives light to all. It gives light to everyone. There's no one that is not afforded the grace of God. It is extended to all. It's extended to all. There's no other light like this either. There is no other light like this. You think about those other lights, the, the light of wealth. Not everybody has the light of wealth. No, not everybody has the, has the opportunity for that. We've spent time, uh, my, my wife and I, we've been to the slums of uh, Kibera in Nairobi, Kenya, uh, slums of Mumbai. Those children, there is no light of wealth for them. There's no hope of, for that. It is not extended to them. It's not something that they, could, that they could ever attain. It's just not a reality for them. The light of wealth is not extended to everybody. It does not shine on everybody. The light of health. The light of health is not found by everybody. 
One of my good friends, Adam, um, he, he was born with a terminal disease. He was born with cystic fibrosis. He died in his early 20s. There was never a day in his life when the light of health shined on him. Didn't matter how many vegetables he ate. Didn't matter how much he worked out, which he couldn't work out. Uh, but it didn't, didn't matter. It just did, didn't matter. He wasn't going to make it much past 30. There's no way for him. There was never a day in his life when the light of health shined on him. It doesn't shine on everybody. It's not available to all. The light of love. Some of you might say, well, Josh, love is different, right? Everybody, everybody deserves love. Everybody has the light of love. They don't, though. They don't. Right now in the world, there are over 20 million victims of human trafficking. Right now in, in the world, the majority of those, some 80-odd percent, are women and children. And their average lifespan, the average lifespan of a victim of human trafficking is seven years. And so a child who has been enslaved into sex trafficking, their average lifespan is seven years. And who is, how are they going to find love in that time frame? Who's, who's going to love them in that time frame? The light of love is not going to shine on them. Doesn't that exist for them? But the light that, that John is talking about, John says this true light shines on all. It gives light to everyone. Jesus was and is the only indestructible light, the only indestructible hope and security and joy and delight. It's only found in him. There's nothing else that comes close to being so secure and steadfast. This light is rare. It is beautiful. You will not find it anywhere else. You will not find it anywhere else. You can give your whole life to searching. You will never find it anywhere else. And the last thing we see is it's coming. Advent. Adventus is coming. The light was coming into the world. Verse 10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, to his own people, did not receive him. Last week we talked about this idea that in the beginning was the Word, that everything was made through Christ and everything was made for Christ. He was there in the beginning at creation. He was intimately involved in the creating of all things. And so John says that this light is coming into his own, joining the painting. He, he is putting on his own flesh, breathing his own oxygen, feeling his own matter and his own. I'm going to put on my own creation. I'm going to experience the depth of my own matter that I've made. And he comes to his own people. Most commentators would say that this is the, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. The people who for generation upon generation upon generation, Christ, that God has rescued again and again and again. He has been the one who has guarded them and protected them and led them and provided for them and got them out of, out of countless moments of trouble, cared for them again and again and again, always leading them back to himself. He comes to his own and they did not receive him. Imagine for a moment if I could love my family perfectly. 
Like, like my, my wife, Desiree, and my two boys, Winston and Haddon, I love them perfectly. I, I know it's crazy, but just imagine from, a, from, the moment, from the moment they stepped into my life, I love them perfectly. There's never been a moment, there's never been a day that they have not experienced perfect love, perfect care, perfect protection from me. It's always been extended. In the moments when they've failed, the moments when they've stumbled, the moments when they've wronged me, I've responded perfectly to them, always loving them perfectly. And one day I come home and they say, you're not my dad. You're not my husband. Why why are you here? Just leave already. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And it's, it's more than that. Because, because it's, not, it's not the relationship of a husband. It's his own creation. I have created you. He comes to his own. The people that he's perfectly loved, the people that he's perfectly created, just, just right. He's always loved them. He's always led them perfectly. And they say, we don't know you. We don't, we don't receive you. This should give us pause. If you think about it for a moment. Many people kind of, when you're a kid, you grow up, you say, man, well, if I could, if I could see Jesus, then I would believe in Jesus, right? His own people didn't receive him. The people who, who saw the miracles, saw him, they knew, he gave sight to the blind, right? They, they put the miracle on trial. They say, how is this possible? He guy says, I don't know. I was blind and now I see. Go, go ask him. I don't know. They saw the miracles. They experienced it. They were there. They heard his teaching firsthand from his mouth and they did not receive him. If that's true, what hope do you and I have? How, how are we going to receive him? If they didn't receive him. What makes us think that we are better than they? What makes us think that we have something that they do not have? His own people did not receive him. Why? Why didn't they receive him? The next verse says this, verse 12. One of the best words in all of the Bible, but but to all who did receive him. So some did. Some received him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Some did receive him. So, so you have, in, in the gospel, you have some who received Christ, and you have some who, who did not receive Christ. And so we must ask, they, they both experienced the same thing, the same teachings, the same miracles. What was the difference between the two? I'd argue that it was the light, the lesser lights. Those who valued the lesser lights did not receive him. Those who loved the lesser lights out of order, they loved them more than they were created to be loved. They loved the things of this world more than their creator. They missed it. They didn't see it. Right? The the Jewish elites, 
The Pharisees, man, they loved their status. They loved their religion. They loved following all of the rules and doing all the right things. They loved being seen in the community as men who were worthy. And they held these lights close, and they could not see the greater light behind them. You see, those who have these lights in their life, and they say, well, I I do not love this light. Wealth, I do not love it. And so I hold it here. It's small. It's insignificant to me. Things out here, I can see around. I can see you all on the other side of this because it's so far away from me. Health, it's a small thing. Yeah, yes, it's a light in my life. I want to be healthy and want my family to be healthy. But if it's, if it's held out here, I can still see behind it. I can see you all behind it. But when I begin to treasure it and bring it closer, now I can't see you because there's something blocking it. The closer I bring the light to me, the more I treasure it, the less I can see behind it. And we miss the greater light. I can't see the greater light when I begin to love lesser lights, when I hold them too close and I cherish them too deeply. And this is truly, I believe, this is, this is the plan of salvation. We talked about it earlier when uh, Joe and Danielle, if, you were, if you were, those of you who came in late with the Advent reading this morning from Isaiah 40, when, when God says, Man, when Christ arrives, the mountains are going to be brought low, the valleys are going to be brought up. And what he's saying is that, the, that those who are high and mighty, those have, who have, 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 uh, have power and authority, they will be brought low and the lowly will be brought high. The lowly, those who do not have, are the ones that could see Christ. The broken, the sick, the lame, those are the ones that could see him. And those are the ones who valued him. Those are the ones who experienced the depth of his love. But those who have much wealth and comfort and power, when those lights fail us, we're brought low. And it's in that moment that I pray, I pray that you see the greater light. Many of you came to faith in Christ because a, a light that you put your hope in went out. And you were able to see a greater light. You said, oh, I realize now. You experienced the pain and the sorrow and, the, and the, just the horror of losing this great light in your life. But through that pain and that sorrow, you said, oh, I see now that that was broken the whole time. And I need a light that is sure and steadfast that I can cling to. And what does this light do? What does this light do? It gives us the ability to become children of God. He gave the right, verse 12, he gave the right to become children of God. He extends his own relationship to us, right? There's only one son of God, that is Christ. He says, I want you to be my brothers and sisters. I I want you to be children of God, to be sons and daughters of God. I want you to share in my inheritance, to be co-heirs, or as Romans Romans 8, uh, 17, to be co-heirs, to be joint heirs with me in the inheritance of God. I want you to share in that with me. Come, come Come experience the fullness of light. Augustine said it this way. He said, he was born the only son of God and was unwilling to remain alone. He didn't want to be alone. He brought you in with him to share in, to join in. For he, the only begotten, came to loose the sins in which we were entangled and whose burden hindered our adoption. Our sins stood between us 
and God. He came to remove it. Those whom he wished to make his brothers and sisters are the ones he himself freed and made joint heirs. He was not afraid of having joint heirs because his inheritance does not become less if its possessors are many. His inheritance is infinite. There's no end to it. And so if he shares 100% with you, there's still 100% more. There's no end to his glory and his wealth and his riches. And so he shares it freely. Those very persons, since he uh, is the possessor, became his inheritance. We become his inheritance. And he, in turn, becomes their inheritance. Let us possess him and let him possess us. Let him possess us as Lord and let us possess him as salvation. Let us possess him as light, says Augustine. The, the gospel declares that Jesus wants everyone to have everything he has in himself. Let's say that again. The gospel declares that Jesus wants everyone to have everything that he has in himself. He wants to share the beauty of his inheritance with you. For all eternity, he wants you to share in his glory. In, in the last uh, prayer in the Gospel of John, right before Jesus goes to the cross, he prays to God. He says, would you let them see my glory? That's what he wants. That's why he came. He came so that you might be reconciled back to God, that you might be a, made a son and daughter of the Most High, an adopted child of God, that you might share in his glory, that you might have everything that he has in himself. All of the glory and all the goodness and all the might and all the majesty, the infinite joy, the infinite security and hope that are in Christ, he wants to share with you. So how do we know? How do we know if we have this genuine light or if our light is a lesser light? If we're being blinded by a lesser false light, an insecure light, a destructible light, how do we know? How do, you, how do you measure that? Well, it's simple. Just ask the question, where did it come from? Did you find it? Did you buy it? Did you acquire it? Did you earn it in some way, shape, or form? If it is, it's not the genuine light. Right? The, the text says in verse 13, who, um, he gave it the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Right? You're not born into it. Not born of blood. It's not, it doesn't matter who your parents are or what they did or um, what, who your ancestors are. It does not matter. It does not matter. It's not how you attain this light. It's not the will of the flesh or the will of man. It's not something that you, just, you want bad enough and then you work hard enough and you can gain it. That's not how we attain it. We attain it through God alone. It is a gift from his hands. The will of God. If your hope your peace is in something that you have sought or bought rather than the one who has sought and bought you. It will not stand. If you said this, this thing that I've found, that I've bought, that I've worked hard to possess, that that is going to be secure, that that is going to be the thing that brings me joy, it will not stand. It will let you down. It will cause you pain. But the one who has sought us, the one who has bought us on the cross by his own blood, if that is our joy, if he is our treasure, if he is our light, 
It will never fail you. He will never fail you. And so my hope is over the next few weeks of Advent that you'll take this light seriously, that you'll pursue the one true light, that the light of Christ will grow in your soul, that you'll see him high and lifted up, that it'll, it'll be magnified for you, that you will experience his glory and his goodness to the praise of his name, and that as we approach Christmas, you'll see how unbelievable this light is and that those who dwell in darkness will see this great light. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we come before you this morning and we declare our need for you. We need you more than the breath in our lungs or the, than the blood that flows through our veins. We confess that many of us in this room have begun to love lesser lights. We love our wealth and we love our comfort. We love our security. We love our status. We put our hope in other people. I pray that when those things let us down, and they, and they will, that we would remember this moment. We remember that there's only one true light, one indestructible light, indestructible joy eternal, indestructible delight and salvation is only found in you. And that gift, that good gift of grace shines upon all. So what might we be a people who receive it and walk in that light? I pray these things in your name. In the name of Jesus, amen.